Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasar and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 Israeli security forces announced the completion of a series of training and groundbreaking experiments which included successful interceptions using the David Sling system in complex scenarios simulating advanced threats following Operation Shield and Arrow in May. Israel's Air Force, the Defense Ministry, and the Rafael Company conducted the test to expand the system's capabilities and significantly improve the multi-layer air defense array. The Israeli aerospace industry and Elbit systems participated as well as senior U.S. defense officials. The series of tests include simulations of attacks from ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, aircraft, and drones. The successful interceptions proved the David Sling system capabilities during a conflict which has been called a central component of Israel's air defense systems, including the Arrow Iron Dome and the Naval Iron Dome. Operation Shield and Arrow took place in May and was carried out against Gaza's Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It lasted five days during which six high-ranking members of the terror group were assassinated and over 400 military positions were dismantled. During Operation Shield and Arrow, we witnessed for the first time the operation capabilities of the David Sling system. The Defense Ministry's Director General, Major General of the Reserves, Eyal Zamir, was quoted in a statement summarizing the significant step. Quote, in the challenging activity that has just ended, we witnessed the expanded operational capabilities of the system that prove the qualitative advantage and technological superiority of the State of Israel in general and in the world of defense missiles in particular as part of the layered concept that includes the Iron Dome and the Weapon Systems Arrow, Zamir concluded. Number 2 On a hill near the occupied town of Polohi in southern Ukraine, Russian forces have established an observation point equipped with the Muram-M surveillance system. Despite Ukrainian forces destroying the system four times already, the Russians swiftly reinstall it each time. Last year, Ukraine displayed remarkable agility and superior knowledge of the terrain, allowing them to outmaneuver Russia's larger invading forces. With the effective use of drones, digital technology, and their familiarity with the region, Ukrainian units successfully repelled a much larger and seemingly sluggish Russian army. However, the current situation has shifted. Ukraine is now faced with the daunting task of dislodging an entrenched enemy. Russian troops have spent months constructing physical defenses, including bunkers, tank traps, and extensive minefields that stretch more than 15 miles deep. In this phase of the conflict, Ukraine's limited resources pose as much of a challenge as the fortified Russian defenses. Despite receiving new Western weapons in recent months and the United States' promise to supply deadly cluster munitions in the future, Ukraine's attempts to push south toward the Sea of Azov through Russian territory have reached a standstill. While Ukrainian officials claim progress and have reclaimed some villages in the Donetsk regions, they acknowledge the immense difficulty of their mission. Lieutenant Colonel Telehin aptly captures the situation, stating, quote, if we kill a whole unit, a hundred soldiers, the next day they will bring another unit, and the day after, another. For Russian forces who previously attempted to seize more Ukrainian territory, holding defensive positions proves easier than launching a successful offensive. The mobilization of over 250,000 troops last year by Russia contributes to their advantage in defensive operations. Ukrainian soldiers in the region 
have reported the construction of extensive interconnected trenches and some reinforced with concrete and others covered with wood and earth roofs to evade detection by drones. Fields are heavily mined and Ukrainian soldiers have discovered cases where the bodies of fallen comrades were used as traps for explosives. Assaulting entrenched occupiers has historically been a grueling endeavor, even for the most formidable armed forces. In World War II, for example, Allied forces required over two months to break through German blockades and advance inland after establishing a beachhead in France, in Normandy, on D-Day. During Operation Desert Storm in 1991, a five-week air campaign preceded the advancement of coalition land forces to weaken Iraqi positions. Ukraine lacks the firepower and air superiority that were available to the United States and its allies in those historical conflicts. Their air force consists of a small number of Soviet-era fighter jets and helicopters, some of which were provided by former East Bloc NATO allies. Meanwhile, the Russians have deployed advanced Sukhoi fighter jets and Ka-52 helicopters along the southern front, further tipping the balance in their favor. Number 3. Kansas City, Raleigh, Richmond, Olympia, Tucson, Alexandria, Virginia, and other cities are testing dropping fears on their transit systems. Denver is dropping fears across its system this summer, and Boston is piloting three zero-fare public bus routes, as well as New York City is expected to test free buses on five lines. Eliminating fears gives badly needed boost to ridership, removes cost burdens, particularly for low-income riders, and reduces boarding times at stops. Proponents also hope it will compel more people to get out of their cars and ride the transit system. But many transit researchers, officials, and advocates say that removing fares fails to address the dire state of transit systems across America and diverts scarce resources from more pressing priorities, transit service and quality. However, some experts say there are also targeted ways to help low-income riders afford trips without further straining transit agencies' funding models. They also say that there are more effective policies to get people out of their cars and onto transit, such as congestion pricing and parking restrictions. Besides, dropping fares does not make buses run on time or lead to faster and cleaner trains. These are the improvements that will get more people to take transit instead of drive, according to passenger surveys. In Boston, ridership on the three routes that dropped fares grew 35% from 2021 to 2022 while ridership on the rest of the bus system grew 15%. According to rider surveys, 26% of passengers along the free route saved more than $20 a month. Mayor Wu also said fare-free buses were running more efficiently because they did not have to stop and wait for people to pay. But fares are a critical source of funding for transit agencies and they have to make up the lost revenue elsewhere. Fares made up, on average, 12.5% of transit agencies' operating expenses in 2021, down from 31.4% in 2019 according to the American Public Transit, Transit Association. This varies across agencies and types of transit. The largest and costliest systems rely the most on fares for funding, while smaller agencies are less dependent on fares. About two-thirds of transit agencies' revenue comes from government. Of that, state and local governments supply more than three-quarters, and the federal government spends more on roads, much more on roads than transit. 80% of the federal gas tax, which helps fund infrastructure projects, is devoted to roads, 20% goes to transit. So local and state authorities are hoping that the government will up their support. Washington DC planned to eliminate fares on all of the city's buses beginning this summer, but it has been delayed over budget shortfalls. The transit agency faces a $750 million operating budget deficit in 2025. There's a significant cost and financially, it's really going to be hard to sustain, said Richard Jarrell. Deputy CEO of the Kansas City Area Transport Transportation Authority. 
The agency eliminated fares shortly before the COVID-19 pandemic and it, and it has been relying in part on federal funds to make up the $12 million in revenue lost from fare collection. There's no such thing as free transit, he added. By the end of next year, federal money will run out and Kansas City will have to decide whether to continue the program or move to a new fare policy. Thanks for tuning in to the top three segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.